Hello and welcome in to Season 2 on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb McCall. Tune in for Kingdom Conversations with Kingdom People and where we talk everything recovery and the church. Hello and welcome in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am your host, Pastor Caleb McCall. Boy, do we have a special treat for you today. We have uh, my good friend, Mr. Barry Lyons, on the show with us today. Barry, welcome in. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be with us today. Well, it's an honor to be with you, Caleb. And uh, fortunately or unfortunately, my schedule's not that busy right now. But uh, <laughs> baseball postseason starts today, so that'll occupy a lot of my time. But I'm honored and thankful to be on with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, it's an honor to have you, brother. And, you know, uh, you see, y'all can see that Met symbol on the uh, left-hand side of his shirt there. Barry is a big, big baseball guy, uh, a longtime friend of my family and I's with my father, him and my father, uh, Jeff McCall, coached in the minor leagues and some independent leagues together. And uh, so I grew up around uh barry and uh barry just spoke at our be the bush recovery ministries banquet tim and daryl strawberry former teammates so we're going to get into all that here shortly but barry was a professional baseball player with the new york mets uh won a world series with the new york mets in 1986 and uh i'm telling you folks you're in for a treat today powerful powerful testimony of the power of God uh, wrecking and changing a man's life, um, just like he's done with so many of ours. And I'm looking forward um, to hearing this and just getting to, to facilitate this today for our listeners. Uh, Barry, you, you have an incredible testimony and story of overcoming and being delivered and set free from addictions. And now just being a kingdom-minded man, uh, you know, it was such an honor to have you there with us at our banquet uh, this past um, this past spring, uh, man, you just uh, brought the word and and shared and encouraged with our people, our donors, our supporters, our friends. I know everybody uh, was bragging about it and loved it and enjoyed it with you and Daryl tag teaming once again uh, for an event. So it it was awesome. So Barry, I don't want to waste too much time. Um, but I honor you, man. Thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, it's a privilege to have you here with us. So uh, for some of our listeners who might not know who you are, will you tell us, we're going to go into your whole story today. That That's what I really wanted to do. I want your story to encourage some of our listeners today. So we're going to go into your whole story. But Barry, why don't you tell uh, our listeners a little bit about your childhood, how you grew up, and um, and let's start there. All right, I sure will, Caleb. And uh, it all began in June 3rd, 1960. I was born the fourth of uh, four boys to uh, Kenneth and Jermaine Lyons, my mm -hmm. mom and dad uh, here in Biloxi, Mississippi, down here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And uh, uh, what, a, what a privilege, what a blessing, what a gift uh, to be uh, blessed uh, by an amazing parents and three older brothers that uh, were role models for me in my own home and uh, in their own right. They were great athletes, great students, and great people. And uh, 
so I, I had the best of all worlds, uh, if you will, in, in that regard, that uh, I had three brothers that loved me and, and, and took care of me and taught me so much, whether intentionally or unintentionally or whether it was you know, uh, knowingly or, or, or unknowingly, I learned so much from uh, watching my brothers, uh, following them, practicing, playing, idolizing them, wanting to be like them. And ultimately, uh, it, it all paid off because I was the, the last of the Lions boys and all my brothers had opportunities or injuries curtailed their their careers before they made the professional ranks, but they were all three outstanding college athletes and, wow. and, and, and great ball players. Uh, uh, but uh, I was the one who ultimately uh, made it to the finish line and made it to the big leagues. And uh, certainly uh, I give a lot of credit and, and uh, a lot of love to them and to my wonderful parents for all they did to help me to achieve that goal. Yeah, that's incredible. Sounds like sounds like you came from a family of thoroughbreds too, huh? So they were all college athletes, your older brothers, and taught you and trained you up in the way with sports and, and everything like that, huh? Yeah, they did. And my oldest brother, Kenny, was a quarterback at Ole Miss in the early wow. 1970s. He was a freshman when Archie Manning was a senior. Oh, wow. And he was the starting quarterback the next year. He had some really great successes during his college career over the next three years, four years. Uh, but injuries really played a part in his uh, unfortunate uh, uh, short professional career. He signed a free agent contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. But when he went out for minicamp, his, uh, his, his physical examination, uh, they, 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 basically ruled him out, said that uh, mm -hmm. the surgeries and the issues that he had physically, that uh, they couldn't uh, risk bringing him on board. And so his professional career ended there. My second wow. brother, Tommy, was drafted out of high school, was a great pitcher. Mm -hmm. He followed Kenny to Ole Miss. He pitched at Ole Miss for, for three years and uh, ended up with some arm injuries and and uh, went on, both of them went on to raising beautiful families and successful careers outside of sports. Awesome. But uh, they were my two uh, two biggest supporters. And then my third brother, closest in age to me, Pat, uh, was an outstanding athlete as well. And my best friend and uh, someone that uh, I uh, really uh loved and, and, and cherished as a big brother and was closer to him than the other three. But they were all great examples, great role models and, and uh, great friends, uh, to, to say the least. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's incredible. Is it fair to say, too, growing up as a as a kid, do you, do you feel like, especially with all the sports and everything going on and the successes of your brothers and family and even yourself, do you feel like your identity was really wrapped up in how well you could perform on the baseball field or the, you know, football field or whatever? It was Caleb, uh, you know, looking back and knowing what I know now. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, as we'll get into my testimony, I'll, you know, be able to revert back to, where we are now and me telling my story, but, uh, being, uh, a, a baseball player, being an athlete and, and then ultimately, uh, living out a childhood dream by being a professional athlete and a major league baseball player. Uh, obviously th that 
was who I was. And mm. uh, now I know differently. That was uh, was uh, a part of my life, part of my growth, part of my testimony. Sure. But uh, now baseball is a platform for me to share my testimony. It is a, a door opener, a, a way maker, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but my story is something that uh, uh, I, I love sharing, uh, not so much for me, but hopefully would be an encouragement to others. And yes. so many issues in, in life and so many battles and struggles. And I came from a very, very solid uh, Christian foundation, family. Uh, we grew up in the Catholic schools and the Catholic church. So I uh, I had a, a strong foundation and a belief and faith in God. And I know that is what allowed me to achieve the goals that I, I had as a young kid. And uh, for that, I'll always be thankful. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. It's so important that we, you know, raise our kids up in church. Uh, you know, as long as we're able to, we get saved in the amount of time frame that we can do that, right? Where our kids are still there with us. It it uh it has a profound impact on us. I know it did me as well. Uh when growing up in church and with my dad and my family all being Christians and believers, you know, when life got really tough, when things got really bad, I knew which direction to at least turn to because I had grown up in an atmosphere and in an environment where God was uh, believed upon, God was uh, held in high standards. So that kind of went into that that next question for me. So you did grow up in church. You had that foundation. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, getting on up into high school and your young adult years and up to the point of maybe getting drafted and all that. Uh, where were you at in life at those times? Well, uh, as I went through my growing up and, you know, under uh, my three older brothers who who all excelled and one by one, they went off to college and then there was three of us at home and then two of us. And then ultimately right. I was the only one still at home. And, but, uh, high school, I played at the, the all boys Catholic, uh, high school, Notre Dame, where my three brothers went, but the attendance, the enrollment and, uh, some of the quality of some of the programs and, and, and the numbers of, of, uh, people in, in the school began to, to dwindle. And uh, as a sophomore, I excelled as a, a high school baseball player, but I sort of reached the end of the road as far as planning that small school caliber competition. And I wanted more and I made a choice uh, on my own. Uh, no one else influenced it, but I transferred to Biloxi High School, a public school, a bigger school, uh, the highest classification in the state as far as enrollment numbers and, and athletic competition. And, and it was there that, uh, you know, I took the next step. Uh, I made that decision knowing I wouldn't be able to play my junior year in football or baseball, but I practiced both sports every day with the teams, but could not play in the games because mm -hmm. of the transfer rule within the city limits. Uh, but my senior year went really well. I, I, I got a lot of notoriety uh, in football as an offensive lineman, and I had several scholarship offers, and and uh, I wow. chose to accept a, a scholarship from Delta State University, which was a Division II school in Mississippi. Uh, but I chose that with the an agreement in place that I would 
not have to go through fall uh, spring football practice that I would be able to play baseball mm-hmm. uh, for Coach Dave Boo Ferris, who was a an amazing man, a mentor, a godly mm-hmm. man that that uh, developed uh, the Delta State baseball program from scratch in the early '60s after his wow. celebrated career in Major League Baseball as an outstanding pitcher for the Boston Red Sox and. Uh, he was the reason I went to Delta State, and uh, ultimately he offered me a full baseball scholarship, and there uh, is when I decided to uh, defer on my football scholarship and and dedicated all of my uh, sports activities, and my wow. my devotion went to strictly to baseball, and, and uh, that was a great decision, and uh, that was something that uh, I'm forever blessed to have been mentored, coached, and been under the, under the uh, wings of uh, a really godly man named Coach Dave Boo Ferris at Delta State. Had four years there, uh, a lot of successes personally as, and our team. We had a lot of great friends, friendships, yeah. a lot of fun times on the field and off the field. And uh, it was during uh, my latter years in high school, uh, and then it escalated uh from there in college where the partying lifestyle, uh, I grew up in a culture down here on the Mississippi coast where uh, drinking alcohol was was pretty commonplace uh, as a kid and all the social functions that I grew up in and family functions uh, all had uh, a presence of alcohol and, and uh, you know, having a big time and, and so I, I, I was sort of uh, introduced to that very young, and uh, I experienced it a little bit in uh, in high school. But uh, my last year in high school, um, and then going into college, uh, the weekends and the partying uh, became uh, a little more in, in, increased. And uh, but nonetheless, I was. Uh, had a great college career at Delta State and a lot of great memories, a lot of great friendships that came from that time. Yeah, so so that is too where um, you threw me for a loop a second ago. You said you had an offensive lineman scholarship for football. I never knew that, man. I'd never heard uh, heard that part of the story. And I see those pictures of you when you were younger and playing professional, you look all ripped, man. You didn't look like no offensive lineman. You would, <laughs> you well, would, if I'd have had my, if I'd have had the body I have now, then I would have probably stuck with football. Stuck but, with football. Uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, but I, I knew that to play uh, offensive line at, at, at the collegiate level, I was yeah. going to have to put on a lot more weight. And if I was going to compete in baseball at the collegiate level, I knew I couldn't afford to put on more right. weight. So uh, it was a, it was an easy decision once Coach Ferris offered me the full baseball ride. Right. Uh, right. But uh, I, my, you know, I love playing the football games. Wasn't a big fan of uh football practice and banging right. heads against our own teammates and that yeah. kind of thing. And the, yeah. and the, you know, blood, sweat and tears that go with uh, 
the yeah. grind of uh, being an offensive lineman, but uh, it helped make me tougher. It helped. It was, yeah. it was all part of God's plan. And I needed that uh, toughness and that, that experience mm-hmm. from playing football to help me uh, not only in yeah. my baseball career, but in life in general, all sports right. are great life lesson teachers, but yeah. I'm a little more partial to baseball. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I heard you say too, once we, got there that the uh so the partying kind of began to start in high school you know that senior year in high school you transfer into a public school there in Biloxi so you know the drinking and the partying began to start you know even family functions uh that was part of the culture uh there and in those settings that you were in so you get introduced to this and all throughout college this happens and so now you you get done with college I think we was talking before we kind of jumped on I think it was your junior year that you got drafted but went back for your senior year right so what happens when you get drafted and you make it to the big leagues I mean well I know there's some minor league years but but tell us how things were going at that point in life well in college uh, my first year at Delta State uh I uh, was very successful. I was the starting catcher there all four years, uh, came in uh, from day one and wow, was freshman. the starting catcher. And yeah. uh, that proved very uh, important uh, for me in my career to get a chance to play right away. Uh, and then that summer of my freshman year, because of Coach Ferris' ties to, to New England and Boston, and uh, his career in Boston with the Red Sox as a player and as a coach. Uh, He had a lot of ties up in that area, and he got me and some of my other teammates over the years Mm. opportunities to play in the Cape Cod League, which was the premier college summer league there Mm -hmm. then and even more so now in all the country. And I had great success there that first year, and – uh, during that summer, uh, I uh, experienced marijuana for the first time. Uh, I knew of marijuana a little bit in high school, uh, had no interest in it, uh, even though I was drinking alcohol. Drugs was something that was uh, very foreign to me and, and something that, uh, you know, I, I knew was not good or not right and, and mm-hmm. certainly not legal, but uh the drinking age back in, in those days was 18. And while I know I was younger than 18, uh, the age in many years since have been, you know, raised to 21, which I think is the right thing to do. But I, I don't condone alcohol at any age or any level at this point in time in my life. But mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, so marijuana was introduced to me and i began using it some that summer up on the Cape Cod League after the games, partying on the beach and that type yeah. of thing. But uh, uh, but when, to move forward, the three years at Delta State, uh, uh, a lot of successes. But after my third year, my junior year, I was drafted by the Detroit Tigers. And uh, that season I had uh, a, a fractured hammock bone in my left hand missed a month of the season. Our team didn't do as well as I'd like. And those were a couple of the, and the, the signing bonus that was offered to me as a 25th round pick by the Tigers was not enticing at all. So Mm -hmm. all those things combined led me to, to visit with coach Ferris and let him know that 
I wanted to come back for my senior year. I turned down the, the opportunity to, to play professional baseball that summer. And I believed that uh, I would get another opportunity next year, but I really wanted to have a, a, a big senior season, which ultimately I did and was drafted by the New York Mets in the 15th round and uh, began my professional career uh, the summer after my college career ended and uh, three and a half years in the minor leagues at two outstanding seasons uh, in uh, the Carolina League. I was the MVP. Our team won a championship. And then uh, in the Texas League in AA, uh, our team won another championship, but uh, I had a couple of uh, really outstanding seasons in, in, in Class A, High A, and Double A, which uh, you know led me to make the New York Mets opening day roster in 1986. Wow! So 1986, the year that y'all win the World Series, was your official rookie year in the majors. It was. I made okay. the team out of spring training and was the backup to a Hall of Famer, Gary Carter. And yep. uh, Gary came over a, a year and a half prior to that in a trade right after uh, my first very successful season in the minor leagues. And Gary proved to be a roadblock for me in my career at times. And <laughs> and uh, that was tough for me to, to handle and to mm-hmm. take. But then again, he was a great ball player, a Hall of Fame player, a great catcher, yeah. a great leader, uh, a great inspiration. Uh, uh, he was uh, a key figure in a World Series championship in 86, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, there for the first month and a half of the year. I uh, was sent back down to get some playing time, came back up, went back down to A. And ultimately, unfortunately, suffered a broken right forearm in August of of 1986, and it ended my season. So I missed being in uniform. I missed being in New York and being a part of that uh, incredible run down the stretch and postseason and the World Series championship. Although I was a part of the team, not being in uniform and not being down in the in the in the battlefield with my teammates was yeah. uh, disappointing to say the least, but, uh, sure. great memories. And I was there for the, uh, final two games of the world series and for the celebration and was, uh, enjoyed, uh, being a part of that. But, uh, nonetheless, we thought we were going to win more championships after that. Right. We had an amazing talented team, uh, Daryl strawberry, you mentioned, but, Gary Carter, who I've mentioned, Keith Hernandez was one of the best baseball players I ever played with, was our star first baseman. We had uh, Ray Knight at third base. We had uh, Lenny Dykstra in the outfield, Mookie Wilson, uh, (laughs) M. Tuffle, Wally Backman, uh, you know, just uh, Kevin Mitchell. uh, We had, uh, and then obviously I haven't mentioned the pitchers. Dwight Gooden was uh, the best pitcher in all of baseball during that time. Uh, Ron Darling, uh, Bob Ojeda, and then Jesse Orozco and Roger McDowell in the bullpen. I mean, uh, we we were a very, very talented ball club. And uh, uh, all those guys are dear friends to this day. But uh, uh, off the field, though, uh, it was uh, a pretty wild team to say the least. And 
and uh, my use of alcohol, my use of marijuana grew over those years in the minor leagues and into the major leagues. And mm-hmm. uh, my faith in God is what got me there. But uh, during the height of those years in New York, with mm-hmm. all that uh, was available to us as a, a New York Med, and not only in New York, but everywhere our team traveled, yeah. you know, we were the 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 talk of the league, both for what right. we did on the field and off the field. And there are a lot of uh, issues that uh, many of my teammates have dealt with over the years. And certainly uh, I had my own issues and my own uh, demons right. that I was battling. And there was a, a time that uh, I drifted away from the Lord. And I think mm. uh, the ego plays a big part in that and right. being a big leaguer in New York and and all the trappings and temptations and the, the nightlife, the party and the booze, the, uh, you know, the drugs, the women, there were so right. many things that were available to you that uh, normally you wouldn't have access to, or, you know, may not be uh, as tempted, but uh, during those times and those years and in that time frame in, in New York in the 1980s, it was pretty out of control, and, and most of our teammates uh, participated at some level or another, mm-hmm. uh, but we did have a few that were good uh, family men and, and did not partake in, in, in those types of activities, and Gary Carter was the, the primary one that yeah. uh, was uh, a good Christian, solid family man yeah. that... Uh, uh, maybe was vilified uh, by a lot of us uh, because of that, because right, that wasn't yeah. the way our team was was operating uh, overall. But uh, we uh, we had great team. We won mm-hmm. a lot of games. We we uh, were, were sort of vilified uh, throughout the rest of baseball. But uh, we we were good and we knew it. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know there were some some things looking back that, uh, you know, you might've done differently had you known what you know now, but, uh, anyway, uh, great memories, great times, but, uh, those, those, uh, lifestyles and, and, and those, uh, fun things that were going on led to, to, to difficult things later on. Yeah. It took you down a path. It sounds like, yeah, I remember, uh, me, you and, uh, uh, Daryl talking about, uh, you know, Gary, Gary Carter and did they, y'all called him the kid. That was one of his nicknames. Yeah, too, yeah, wasn't that was, it? yeah. He was the kid before the other kid, Ken Griffey, right? Uh, that <laughs> yes. was his, his nickname, but sounds like too, that, that, uh, that, that was where I was going with this too. Uh, you know, being in the big leagues, um, you know, money, glitz, glamour, you're a professional baseball player in New York city in the eighties, you know, too, this is <laughs> in the eighties of all times, you know, uh, uh, you know, cocaine use and all these crazy uh, stuff is just really booming in this time frame. And in New York City, you know, it's known as the city that never sleeps, right? You're and then you're right. traveling to all these major cities where the other ball clubs are, and you're coming in the '86 champs, you know, and uh, and you continued on with them. Uh, how many years did you continue on with the Mets and then professionally in your career? I was, as I mentioned, my injury, I was with the Mets, uh, you know, my rookie year, 86, but I was the, the uh, backup catcher to Gary in 87, the, the whole year. And then we traded for another guy, Mackie Sasser. So there was 
three of us have backed up Gary in 1988. And then in 1989, uh, the three of us were the catchers for for the Mets as well. Uh, but Gary got hurt early in the 89 season and had another knee surgery. And I got a chance to play and, and did really well. Didn't have to play more than I had been, yeah. you know, way more opportunity than I had been given the first three years. But uh, right. that went well. Had a really good season in the 89. But I unfortunately suffered an injury during the season and missed a month. But uh, 1990, I was the opening day catcher. Wow. Uh, hit a home run my first at bat. And, Come on. And, uh, you know, it couldn't have started any better. But unfortunately, I ended up injuring my back. Our manager, Davey Johnson, got hurt. Uh, I mean, got fired. Sorry. And mm-hmm. then my, my injury and and the uncertainty with my life and my career and and having been drawn away from the Lord and in the lifestyle that I was in, I, I really had a tough time uh, battling depression and, and, and really uh, having fear enter my life for the first time as a baseball player. Uh, I struggled with uh, throwing out base runners and uh, the New York media was very unkind to anyone mm. that uh, struggles and yeah. when you're going well, there's no better place, but when right. you're struggling, it's, uh, it can be overwhelming. And, I'm sure. And, uh, and it was, and, and it, it affected me in, in ways that uh, had I been connected to the Lord in the ways that I was growing up and in my earlier years, or obviously uh, in the way that I am, uh, for the last 10 years, things could have been different, but sure. it was all a part of his master plan and all led to yeah. me being who I am and where I am today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some of that too. So you played professional baseball, uh, several years, uh, when I had met you as a, as a young child, you were in the coaching already, uh, and were coaching a minor league, uh, independent league, uh, of baseball team here in the Tennessee area, the Columbia mules, shout out to those old Columbia mules. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so you were coaching and all that, but when did you, you know, when you, so you play professional ball, you get into coaching, but when did you realize that things were really out of control and that you needed to get back to the Lord and you really needed to change your life? Well, after that season that I'm re- re- referencing 1990, my last year with the Mets, uh, I, uh, ended up being released by the Mets after being sent to triple tide, a Tidewater for the second half of that season. And for the first time in my life, I did not enjoy playing baseball. It was mm. a burden. It was pressure. And, and I was, you know, really had my feelings hurt, was not uh, in a good state of mind by any means. I had sure. been banished from New York back to the minor leagues and, uh, mm. It was a, a very difficult time, but uh, at the tail end of that season, I was signed by the Los Angeles Dodgers and joined them for the last three weeks of the season and ultimately got a chance uh, to pinch hit uh, late in the season and hit a home run, and that kind of relit the fire a little bit for me and uh, spent an off season uh, there where uh, building up confidence and uh, you know really overcoming uh, the, the struggles that I had the year before, uh, I began to turn back to the God, to, to the Lord and, 
and sort of renewing my faith and 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 my commitment to going to church and 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 doing a lot of things that uh, I hadn't been doing the last few years, but I still didn't know the Lord in a personal way that uh, that I came to know Him, you know, ten years ago when I right. when I was born again when I got saved. But yeah. nonetheless, I, I kind of had a recommitment or a, a reestablishment of my faith, and and I, I got married to uh, my my wife Marcia then and. And uh, things began to go up uh, at, uh, a few weeks before spring training that year. Uh, Gary Carter shows up back in the picture. The Dodgers signed him. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> we go to spring training on a whole different footing, though, where we're both trying to make the team, although he's Gary Carter, a future Hall of Famer, and he has a, a back of a baseball card that's quite impressive. With sure. statistics and in, in his career, but nonetheless, we battled for a backup job to Mike Sosha, the Dodgers' starting catcher at that time, and we both made the team. But ultimately, uh, they chose to go back to two catchers, and and uh, I was optioned out to AAA and chose to be a free agent. And from that point on, uh, for the next three and a half years, I primarily played AAA for the uh, Angels, for the White Sox, or I mean, I'm sorry, the Angels, the Astros, the Cardinals, and the Reds. And then finally, uh, due to hard work and, and believing and trusting in the Lord and, and, and uh, you know, really wanting to, to, to get back to the major leagues, my last year as a player, I was able to uh, – make the Chicago White Sox roster opening day and and spent a good part of the season uh, with the uh, White Sox. Had my best year offensively and, and, uh, and statistics-wise uh, and uh, finished on a high note. And uh, that was something that was very important to me. And then yeah. the next spring, uh, I went to spring training with the Texas Rangers and unfortunately, things didn't work out. I got released late in spring training. And a month and a half later, uh, I was back home. I was living in Nashville, Tennessee at the time. And I got a call uh, from an old teammate, John Mitchell, who was the pitching coach for this new independent minor league team. And uh, John was going to be a pitcher and the pitching coach. And uh, he called and, and t told me a little bit about the team and that they were looking for a manager and and wondered if I wanted to, to, to catch and manage the team. And uh, I thought about it and uh, I got back to him the next day. I said, you know what, I, I want to manage the team, but I don't want to catch. I'm done. And uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was officially done as a player, but that's <clears throat> when uh, uh my path and your dad's Jeff McCall's path crossed. Uh, mm -hmm. I took the, the job to manage the Columbia mules, independent minor league team in Columbia, Tennessee. And one day uh, prior to that season beginning, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but your dad showed up on the scene and uh, he asked if, uh, if he could get involved or if he could, uh, help coach. I forget the exact words or exactly how it all came to be, but uh, 
immediately I just sensed that uh, the Lord sent him to come be a part of this. And uh, I hired him on the spot. And Jeff and I spent uh, four or five years together between the Columbia Mules that year and then team play, our indoor uh, batting cage uh, facility where where he worked with me for, for several years after that when you were the a young redheaded kid running around and your brother Jeff, y'all yeah, were yeah. quite a tandem. <laughs> yeah, probably breaking and destroying everything around, running around acting crazy. I remember having lightsaber fights in that store. Lord help us. <laughs> but yeah, so you you get connected with dad. Y'all coached uh, for a while, did private lessons. You were in the Middle Tennessee area for a while. And then you go back uh, to Mississippi. So tell us about you going back to Mississippi and and that dark place where you were at and then coming into the light, what happened? Well, all those years that I just uh, referenced, you know, I was continuing to use alcohol pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, right. Playing career, it started when the game was over or, you know, uh, but once my playing career was over, it uh, it was harder to uh, to to stop. It couldn't stop. I mean, I, it was already to a point where I was addicted to alcohol and using marijuana. And, mm. and then, you know, it would, when I didn't have a game to play or a game to coach, uh, the alcohol use began earlier each day and getting high began, uh, earlier each day. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, one thing led to another and that addiction began really bubbling a little more and a little right. more and uh you know you need a little more to get to where you wanted to get whether it's drinking or smoking and and uh ultimately uh what started out as fun and 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 maybe giving me a little courage to talk to women or maybe just to uh mm-hmm. to uh cut the edge as we used to say smoke a joint after the game or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of reasons maybe why, and I thought maybe it was, it was fun for a while. I can't deny that. I can't lie. But, well, the Bible uh, says sin is fun for a season, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it, and it was, but ultimately it became an addiction it became right. something I had to have, not because I was partying, mm-hmm. but because I wanted to feel normal. And that was normal for me mm-hmm. to have alcohol in my system, to, to get that buzz two or three times a day over the course of the day. Right. Uh, that was, uh, you know, what I needed to function. And mm-hmm. so many people didn't know it, but my, my wife, Marcia at the time, uh, knew to some degree, but I don't think she ever knew to what, to the degree that it, that, uh, it took me under, but, uh, uh, so I battled addiction those years, lived in Nashville, was broadcasting for the AAA team, was doing the lessons there, uh, broadcasting for the Nashville Sounds, the AAA team in Nashville at that time, and mm. they're still in Nashville. And uh, But uh, uh, we made a decision to move back home to the Mississippi Gulf Coast in 2002, uh, and uh, certainly happy that we did. And uh, came home with a couple of goals in mind, primarily to care for my aging parents who were were really struggling with their health and really having a difficult latter part of their life and certainly wanted to be here for that. And the other purpose was to, to help bring minor league baseball to my hometown. That was a, 
a dream that I had and a seed that I had planted uh, at the tail end of my playing career. And uh, I moved home with a goal of, of accomplishing that. But all the while, I was drinking mostly on a daily basis and, and getting high, maybe not every day, but pretty fairly often, uh, to say the least. And that was something that just got worse and worse over time. Yeah. And then, you know, the big, you move in 2002, and I guess it's 2005 that uh, Katrina hits, uh, and you lose everything in Katrina, correct? I did. We did. And uh, Katrina was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, an event, a a storm that uh, rocked hundreds and thousands of people's world and just as uh, the storm in in florida last week uh, yeah. you know it's devastation I, I don't wish uh that type of thing to happen to even my worst enemies it's right. it's, it's it's horrible and i feel for the people in the fort myers uh area and in naples and all of central florida that uh have, you know are suffering because of that hurricane i know yes. exactly what it feels like. And uh, Hurricane Katrina came ashore. I had a baseball academy here in Biloxi. Uh, The the goal of bringing minor league baseball here was really starting to to manifest and and more and more people uh, were coming on board and and seeing the vision that I had and and believing in it. And uh, we were gaining a lot of, lot of, lot of footage Mm -hmm. uh, and gaining support uh, but uh, Katrina changed all that and changed my life in a way that uh, I, I can't begin to really truly describe. But uh, uh, we, my wife, Marsha at the time, uh, uh, and our seven-year-old daughter, Danielle, and my 80-year-old dad, who was suffering from Alzheimer's, ended up riding the storm out. Um, my wife was able to get... Uh, <clears throat> My mom admitted to the hospital the day before the storm. She was wow. pretty well crippled and to, to a large degree bedridden by this time in her life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but they would not accept my dad because of the Alzheimer's. And we ended up riding out, uh, spent the night at, at our house and woke up to the, ne- the next morning with uh, surrounded completely by water and within minutes mm. uh the waters were rising and uh, thankfully it was daylight and we had a very harrowing experience to say the least but by the grace of god we made it through uh safely but uh, our home was destroyed and just devastated and uh, our community was uh just torn apart and it was a very traumatic uh very difficult time Mm. Uh, for for hundreds and thousands of people, but for me personally and my family, uh, it, it affected us uh, horribly. And you know, I, I often say when I needed God the most, even here, I didn't turn to Him. Uh, I turned deeper to my addiction and deeper to the drugs and alcohol that I had been using and was addicted to. But uh, post Katrina, post uh, uh, that experience. Uh, my my addictions uh over the next three years or so four years spiraled out of control and mm. and uh, i lost a brother uh four months after katrina to suicide 
Mm. Uh, my parents were in a nursing home and I was the caregiver for them. And uh, I was just numbing myself, trying to deal with it as best I could. I was surviving. Mm. I wasn't living. And uh, it was uh, a time that I wouldn't wish on anyone. But certainly had I chosen to turn to the Lord at that time or any time in that process, I know he was always with me that, through that. But uh, yeah. uh, nonetheless, I, I, I thought I could handle it on my own. And obviously, I proved that I couldn't. Uh, but uh, it was a very dark period of time. Mm. Uh, ultimately, I lost my marriage. And uh, thankfully, uh, I continued to have a relationship uh, with my daughter. And, and I'm so thankful for that and for her. And, and <clears throat> but uh, anyway, it was a, a very, very traumatic time, dark time in my life. And uh, uh, but uh, a year or so after my divorce, uh, I met a woman that is my wife today, and, and God put her in my life at a, at a very important time for me, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, yeah, and so you're spiraled out of control even more after Katrina. Things have really been hard. They've fallen apart, um, and, uh, you know, how did you get saved, and what what took place that man, where you really just turned it all over to the Lord. Tell our listeners about that. This, because here's where it gets good, right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mentioned uh, Julie. Uh, Julie Perkins was uh, her maiden name from Mobile, Alabama. But Julie uh, and I met uh, about uh, uh, around a year after my divorce, I guess. And uh I was in a bad way, but uh, uh, we started dating and then ultimately we lived together and she moved to Biloxi and we uh, were in a relationship for a couple of years and I tried to conform. I tried to, to, to cut back. I tried to, you know, alter what I was doing, but ultimately I couldn't. And uh, it was uh, a, a continuous uh, battle and struggle for me personally. And she, tried to help and you know it uh ultimately she had had enough and left and uh i was all alone again for about uh, six or seven weeks and christmas morning uh 2011 i woke up to an empty house with uh, a bag of marijuana on the coffee table and uh, a fifth of jack daniels there partially uh partial bottle of Jack Daniels that, uh, that, uh, you know, I had and, and nothing else. Uh, there was no Christmas tree, no Christmas lights, no, no family, no presents, no nothing, but, uh, just me when, uh, I realized and I came to the end of me and, uh, I cried out and asked the Lord, uh, that, uh, you know, things need to change. I'm, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm, I'm open, but the devil had such a stronghold on me that he held me for another week. But uh, an incident happened where I ran into Julie uh, after not having seen her for almost six weeks and and uh, said some things and embarrassed myself in such a way that uh, uh, the next day I called her and asked her for forgiveness and and. Uh, 
and she right away forgave me, but uh, she oh. did not want anything to do with me still. And uh, uh, but uh, I went out one more night, and uh, uh, late that night, I told two of my friends that I was with. I said that this is it, and uh, mm. said I'm going to get help tomorrow. And uh, I went home, and the next morning, I called Julie and uh, asked her to. To, to help me that I wanted help and and she came over right away she didn't have to she had no no uh no skin in the game so to speak she did care for me and uh I I think maybe loved me but uh I had uh was not worthy of love at that point mm. in my life and uh and uh but she she took a chance and she came and she gave got me in a detox program and, and really helped me out tremendously. And, and, uh, once I spent three or four days there, I, I felt, uh, kind of like a new person, the poisons that I had put in my body all those years, mm-hmm. uh, were beginning to evaporate and be removed from my body. And, uh, <clears throat> I got out of there and, uh, uh, she helped me to get enrolled into the Home of Grace, which is a Christian addiction recovery ministry program that she had done business with uh, as a, a sales representative for a, a business machine and copier printers. And uh, she knew of the of the ministry and knew some of the people that worked there. And she was very influential in me choosing to finally go there. And I did. And uh, it's uh, an amazing place, uh, and uh, the third day that that I was there in the program, there's a chapel service every night, as well as biblical courses during the day and devotions and and uh, work programs, and uh, it's a, <laughs> an incredible ministry that uh, has a, a a banner and and has a a, a legacy that uh, states where miracles happen. Yes. Well, on that third day that I was in the program, uh, a preacher by the brother, name of Brother Randy Johnson preached a sermon on the parable of the prodigal son. And uh, he made that uh, that sermon just as clear as a bell and, <laughs> and, and, and painted that picture in such a way I saw yeah. myself as, as that son coming home. And he made the altar call uh, at the end of the service and uh, literally without even knowing my body just got up and almost ran to the altar and uh, Come on. asked God to, to, to save me. And, uh, and from that moment on, it's been a, been a radical transformation and, uh, yeah. I just give God the glory and thank him every day for, for, uh, allowing me and gifting me with the gift of salvation that I accepted that night. That's incredible, Barry. That's incredible. I, you know, uh, uh, I love it to hear about, you know, faith-based recovery ministries. We talked a little bit about it before we jumped on today, but, you know, one of the the whole concepts of this show is to get the word out there about what the capital C church, you know, not a denomination, not a name on a church, but we as the people of God, the bride of Christ being his church um, can do to help people um, in these recovery scenarios where they need to get to a place of recovery 
get to a place of recovered. Um, and that happens through faith-based centers so much. I know that's not everybody's story, but a lot of people who come out of addiction, who become Christians, a lot of them do go through these faith-based recovery centers, such as my own, such as Home of Grace, where folks can be sat down for a little bit and they can just hear the gospel, be taught, be discipled. You know, um, we've turned uh, Christianity into making converts instead of disciples, uh, unfortunately. But Jesus says, go out and make disciples. He doesn't say go out and make converts and get people to bow their head and repeat a prayer and ask Jesus into their heart. I, I believe in those things. I'm for those things. But it's so much deeper than that um, uh, as far as becoming an actual disciple of Jesus Christ, uh, being a person who's a part of the kingdom. And when you're a part of the kingdom, you have the incredible privilege and opportunity to also go out and expand the kingdom, uh, which is what I know your life is all about now. It's what my life is all about now. Uh, after spending many, many years in darkness and addiction, I know your heart is the same as mine. We just want to tell everybody about Jesus and what he's done for us and what he can do uh, for you. You know, if you're listening to the show today, um, me, my story, Barry's story, uh, you know, we are we're, we're nobody more special than you. You know, if you are dealing with addiction and you're listening to this show right now or you come across this or somebody shared it with you or you thumbed across it on accident here online somewhere, you know, just know and understand that if you're dealing with addiction, there is a way out. There is hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to set you free like he set Barry free, like he set me free. Um, And he wants to do something incredible with your life. He has an incredible plan, an incredible purpose. Uh, You know, uh, Barry, you said it a minute ago, that master plan, even though we tend to get off course and we mess things up, God has a master plan um, and his plan for you is always to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope, as Jeremiah 29, 11 says. So, so Barry, I think you would be in agreement with me, too, that we as the Capital C Church, what our answer would be is, of course, accept these type of individuals in the church. Let's not be religious and stuffy and, and well, you have issues. You don't need to come to church. We they need That's where we needed to be, right? Yeah. We needed to be accepted. <clears throat> But also in uh, faith-based recovery centers, I know Home of Grace is where God just really got a hold of you. You spent, what, three months there, four months or something? I did. It's a 90-day program. So that was day three of the program. Right. I, I, I accepted the gift of salvation. But obviously, over the next 87 days, the Word of God was poured into me in such a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spirit of the of the Lord was 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 ingrained in me was installed in me and and uh the the bible which i read from heard uh heard stories knew many of the stories right from the bible from uh, <laughs> the catholic church and catholic schools and the, the the homilies and the uh sermons that were preached and the readings but i'd never really studied the bible i mean mm-hmm. i never really read the bible myself and mm-hmm. and suddenly the bible became alive and yes. the way these preachers and that came and, and did the chapel services every night or the, uh, the the counselors that that did the biblical courses throughout the program 
uh, over the different weeks that, uh, you know, you went through various stages of growth and and, uh, different teachers teaching you uh, to interpret what the Bible is telling you. And and suddenly it really became alive and I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't wait to get to chapel service every night. I couldn't wait to hear a sermon preached. that I'd never really heard before. And uh, it it, it changed me, obviously. And during that time, every night I wrote a letter to Julie and poured my heart out to her and how God was changing me. And and she could read it each day. uh, And and I think see how God was changing me day by day, week by week and and softening my heart and and renewing my mind and, and cleansing me of, of that uh, old man that I once was. Uh, mm. I was a good person, but I was uh, in addiction and, and I was in sin and I was struggling uh, and I was in a, was in, was dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, the Lord lifted me out of that and, and put me on solid ground. And through that program, through the, the word of God and through those teachings that I received every day and by pouring my heart out to her on a daily basis. Uh, six weeks after I completed the program, Julie and I got married. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> that would have never happened if, uh, you know, had a, this yeah. not uh, been transformed in this way. And, and uh, you know, she was uncertain at first if that was what was, uh, what was God's plan, but uh, it, it proved to be. And, that's not to say we don't have our own struggles and battles and, sure. and difficulties, because we do. But uh, we know that the Lord uh, brought us together. We know that uh, uh, we have a future that's full of hope and promise and and uh, joy and, and all the many promises that the Lord gives us in his word. And uh, we just... Uh, want to you know wake up every day and give thanks to him for all of our blessings and and uh ask for forgiveness and and just continue to to uh live the life he's called us to live but you're exactly right about the church with the capital c we're called to go out and bring disciples to to share the gospel to share what jesus did for me so that he could do for others and uh, i can't tell you how many men and women that uh, either directly or indirectly have gone to the home of grace and been one of the many miracles that have happened there since I went. And that's mm-hmm. not to say it's me, but it's Jesus working through me right. and me sharing my testimony and other people seeing examples or people they know that are have, have come to know the Lord in such a way that it radically been changed and transformed and and uh, obviously we're all a work in progress but the sanctification process is uh is incredible uh yeah. i've got a long way to go uh and uh, i'm imperfect and 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 uh and a sinner still but uh i've been saved by grace and uh, i i know the lord uh, has a, a special plan for me and i'm living that to the best i can and And uh, the main thing is I know my future uh, and eternity is secure because of Jesus Christ and what he did for me personally, but what he's done for all of us that were here before, that are here now, and those that are yet to come. 
He laid his life on the line. He suffered and died on that cross on Calvary, shed his blood for each and every one of us. And uh, if we believe that and trust in him and know that the Lord created us and we repent and turn from that sinful lifestyle and and repent and ask for God's forgiveness, then uh, you can have that peace and joy that only comes with with that relationship yeah. with Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. What a powerful story and testimony, all from uh, you know, growing up as a kid into and there in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, on to Delta State, major leagues, couple major league ball cu- clubs, World Series champion, um, to surviving through Katrina and circling all the way back around to a kingdom man saved by God's grace. I think it was uh, our friend Strawberry. He said, I'm a sinner. I just don't practice anymore. So you're a sinner saved by grace that just don't practice anymore. Not that we're perfect, not that we don't ever make mistakes uh, but man, God's grace showers us, calls us to greater heights and greater levels. What an incredible story and testimony. Uh, Barry, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been awesome. This has been incredible. I always enjoy getting to hear uh, your story and the power of God's grace and what he has done in your life. Barry, how can our listeners connect with you um, You know, via social media? I know you're an ambassador there for the Biloxi um, Shuckers. They're, they're the double-A team for the Brewers, who the triple-A team for the Brewers is still in Nashville, the Nashville Sounds. Right. Um, but uh, you're on social media. How can some of our listeners connect with you? I think you got a book, too, might be coming out sooner than later. So everybody be on the lookout for that. Yes. Uh... I'm on Facebook. I've I've been told I need to get on Instagram and some of the other uh, outlets, uh, but I I have a presence on Facebook where I share my testimony and where I encourage people and I share uh, some scripture verses, but more so I enjoy and I read and I take in the scripture verses and all of the devotions that other believers share. That's what gives me that uh, early morning uh, push in the mornings to read the various devotions and scripture verses that are that are, are shared by other Christians. Uh, that to me is uh, powerful. And so Facebook, uh, Barry Lyons, uh, there's been a, a, I've come to know there's many Barry Lyons, as I wouldn't uh, <laughs> imagine that there are that many, but uh, yeah. Barry Lyons in baseball and Barry Lyons in uh, the home of grace and, and Barry Lyons, uh, uh, you know, faith-based, faith-based recovery. Uh, if you Google any of those, there's a lot of stories out there. There's a lot of testimonials out there, uh, both uh, uh, from the, the uh, Christian side and also from the baseball side. Uh, uh, but uh, me personally, uh, you can you can find me on Facebook and uh, uh, just uh, send me a friend request and uh, I'll be glad to uh, to invite you in and share with you. And uh, but other than that, uh, I am working on my book. One of my counselors at the Home of Grace is uh, an accomplished uh, Christian author and speaker. And he's a a dear friend and mentor of mine, Brother Wayne Hudson. He and I have been working on my life story for for several years now. We've been on it and then sort of 
lay it down for a while and back and forth. But over the last few months, uh, we've made a, a commitment to to get this thing finished. And we have a goal of having it done by the end of the year. We have some publishers that awesome. have expressed interest, but uh, we're also willing and ready to self-publish if necessary. But uh, we, we're, we're putting this book out there to help save people, to change yeah. lives, to share my testimony, to encourage others to accept the gift of salvation that God freely gives us. That's it. That's it. That's amazing. Well, we'll be on the lookout for that, brother. When Once you get that published and finished, we'll have you back on and have you chat about that or something. But R to our family, recovery to recovered family, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in and listening today. You guys remember recovery always ends on a street called redeemed. If you are uh, chasing after Jesus and you want Christ to come into your life, he will do so, and he will show up in an incredible way and change everything for you. Barry, once again, thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show today. Love you, man, and look forward to talking to you soon. Or to our family, we will be hearing from you, or you will hear from us, excuse me, next week. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvascheveville.com or bethebushministries.com. If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack, as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack, and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered podcast.